Oh, goodness. Sorry, why don't you start the show, please? Why don't you start the show? Hello, and welcome to no, Analog. Don't you I don't know the don't rest you. of the monologues. So. I wouldn't let you do it. It's, it's my job. Really? Well, yeah. Now, now you're making me want to, just on principle. But I'll just we'll edit you out. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Analog on Relay FM. This episode of Analog is brought to you by lynda.com where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a free trial, visit lynda.com slash analog and hover, simplified domain management, said correctly, hover. I am joined, my name is Mike Hurley, I'm joined as always by my friend Mr. Casey Liss. Hello Mike, how are you? I am very well, Casey, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Casey, would you like to introduce our guests for this week's episode of Analog? I would love to. So a couple episodes ago, we had our first guest, which was Stephen Hackett. But we are reaching outside the relay fold, and we have invited our dear friend Faith Corpy to join the show. Hello, Faith. Hello, you guys. Hi, Faith. Hi. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm very happy to be here. So we, we have some interesting stuff that we want to talk about, some real feelings you know, but uh, that's that's how you sold me on this this appearance. I was promised I could talk about feels. You can talk about whatever <laughs> you feel like that's that's what this show's all about. It's a safe place. Got uh, it. But we have some follow up, and I'm likely to get angry, so I'm gonna need to apologize in advance for that. So the re- the, in, the entire world this week uh, let us know about half five and what it means in different parts of the world. Um, Apparently, in German and in Dutch, half five means 4.30. So we have Tim, who says that in Denmark, half five means half to five. We had Ben McCarthy, who told us in German, Casey, can you read what it is? Which one? The Ben McCarthy one? Yeah, Sorry. what 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 half five is in German? Oh, psh, no, halb fünf, which yeah. is surely entirely wrong. And <laughs> I'm so sorry good, to any though. German speaker. Um, but yeah, so exactly. The Germans, the Dutch, I believe it was the Dutch, right? Uh, they both take half five to mean 4.30. And if you recall, Mike and I were arguing as to whether or not half five is 4.30 or 5.30. And like Mike was saying... Uh, pretty much all of the internet came out to tell him that at least in some countries, half five is indeed four thirty. So what I would what I would like to say is this is great. This is really awesome. I'm I'm so happy that this happens in, in Germany <laughs> and in Denmark. However, I speak English, uh, and in English, that means half past five. It's half five. I get the logic and and I can understand why like in German it's that way because logically I can see how you would say half five I guess it still doesn't completely right. make sense. What you're me. what you think of as half five is really five half. Well, <laughs> no. It's so funny how angry the two of us get over these stupid stupid discussions. But irrespective of what it is in other languages, in English, which is the language that you also speak, Casey, half five means five thirty. But you know, don't even get me started on time and date in America because your system for these things just makes no sense to me. Actually, can we explore that very quickly? Can you elaborate what you mean by that? Because I think we might actually agree. I don't understand why you don't use a twenty-four hour clock. Oh, that I don't agree with. But carry on. 24-hour clock is just so much more simple when for, for, for writing down. It just makes so much more sense to write 17 rather than 5. And then you PM. only think that because you do it that way. It makes more sense. Right. Make, but there's less, there's less uh, chance of confusion. Uh, n- maybe to people who are used to using a 24-hour <laughs> clock. Yeah, but you could just write 5, and that could mean 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. If you don't write a.m. or p.m., which is an easier thing to forget, it makes more sense to write 17. Well, that's true, but in nearly any circumstance, context will be able to clue you in Plus, which one that means. It is actually the seventeenth hour. It's not the fifth hour a second time. 
enough. I feel like I've just thing applied is, some German logic to this. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the funny thing about this is one thing that really bothers me about the American system of date and time is that we tend to do month slash or hyphen day slash year. So drives me crazy. Um, so today is 10 to 14. And that actually, I agree with uh, it, with you, Mike. I think that's silly. I think it should be either two ten fourteen. So you're going from most specific to least specific, the second day of the tenth month of the two thousand fourteenth year, or you could flip that all entirely in reverse twenty fourteen ten two. Yeah, I and don't so like I actually the, have. I don't like it the other way around either. I like it. Just I, I tend way. to agree. I tend to agree. I like uh, two ten fourteen, and I actually have my Mac set to display dates in exactly that format because I think it just makes a lot more sense. Good work, Casey. Faith? I, I think you guys are overthinking this. <laughs> I tell you why it's a problem for me. <laughs> that the reason that, it fr- that the date thing frustrates me so much now is I have to, like, I have, like, sponsor calendars and things to update and invoices that I send, and it's all to pretty much American companies. And I have to spend so much of my time now considering what the right order is because it, mm-hmm. ne- it never comes naturally to me and I'm never 100% sure which way it's meant to be because I get very confused by it. So it's very, it's very frustrating to me. And Stephen gets really upset when I write things in the, in the British format. So. Which I would actually argue is the correct format. The funny thing is uh, I incorrect. also don't care for imperial, imperial units with the exception of ambient air temperature. And I've tried to make the statement before. Nobody ever understands. That's a very but, specific thing you enjoy. Yes. No, it's very true. Because to, if, for someone who didn't grow up with Celsius or centigrade or whatever you people call it, um, it's the difference between a nice day and the fires of hell is like three-tenths of a degree. Whereas the difference between a nice day and Fahrenheit and a hot day is a solid like 20 degrees. And so you can get a nice amount of granularity with Fahrenheit, but you get none of that granularity with Celsius, or you're going down to like the hundredths place in degrees, which is just insane. And so for ambient air temperature, I think that Fahrenheit's the way to go. For anything else under the sun, just to use a metric system. Well, there we go. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> All right, so now that we've got that sorted, uh, why don't we talk about how you and I are terrible people that don't work out? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, this was this was good for the follow-up, though, but it was interesting. I, I didn't think people would pick out on it that much. Um, me and Casey are slobs, basically. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, there's a couple of articles going in... Well, there's one article going in the show notes. You'll need to explain the New York Times to me in a moment. Um, so the, the show notes are at relay.fm slash analog slash eight. So this this article is a mobile version of the New York Times and it loads. But if I take away the mobile dot, it doesn't work anymore. And I that's cannot because, understand why that's happening. Because New York Times is a 200-year-old company or whatever it is, and they don't want to believe that printed papers made out of dead trees are not the, a thing anymore. But why They're does, insane. Why does the URL break and it just pretends like it doesn't exist? Because they're silly and insane. You should have asked uh, Matt Bischoff about this when you were talking to him. It wasn't at the front of my mind at that moment. <laughs> so anyway, you bring up the New York Times because of what reason? There's a seven-minute, like an article about the scientific seven-minute workout, um, which is meant to be, you know, take seven minutes a day, you do this set of exercises, and it's and it's meant to be scientifically proven to make you more fit and healthy. Now, have you ever tried this? Never, no. All right, so real talk. I actually have had the seven-minute workout app on my phone for easily six months, and I have not opened it one time yet. Oh, see, now you're making me feel like my plan is ruined because um, Jake Kitchener on Twitter sent me and, and suggested I try out the Carrot app. So Carrot is like this like brand of, of applications which is really rude and mean to you. Um, <laughs> like they have like Carrot to do and it's like it just calls you lazy for not doing your tasks. So it says it's fun. It, like it does the seven-minute workout type thing, but it like it, it treats you badly uh, in like a fun way. Uh, like even the, the, the official carrot underscore app twitter account tweeted me to tell me it's the biggest mistake i've ever made in my life to download the application (laughs) but i've downloaded it with the like you know with the feeling like right i'll do this now but 
now you've told me that you didn't do anything for six months, so I'm now concerned that I'll probably be like that too. Well, we'll see next week if you have beaten me to it and actually completed a seven-minute workout. And now the pressure is on me to also complete a seven-minute workout before next week. So we will shame each other into compliance. Interestingly, if, if we're talking about this now, um, I mentioned my back and neck pain, right, on last week's mm-hmm. episode? So I believe so. My physiotherapist suggested something like yoga or Pilates. So I'm I'm going to a Pilates class on Monday. Can you film that? I could try. I mean, I probably will get thrown <laughs> out of the gym for filming people in the class. Oh, but it would be so funny. Now, Faith, do you exercise much or are you slovenly like we are? Uh, oh, no. And I got really angry listening to you guys talk about this <laughs> last week. <laughs> Why? Um, because you guys need to take better care of yourselves. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I really um, tend to not like these things like the seven minute workout because to me that's kind of catering to the idea of like mike you were saying oh you don't you don't work out because you don't have time but you're saying you don't have time because you're busy working on all the things you want to do and the things you enjoy to do Mm -hmm. but then there's the argument that how long do you want to be alive to get to do those things that you (laughs) love to enjoy is that okay just one more week (laughs) Wow, <laughs> laying the guilt trip on us already. No, it's good. No, this no. is what we need to hear. No, it I'm is. being really serious. Is. I'm being serious. So, yeah, I mean, it is like probably an hour out of your week, you know, three, however many days you want to do it. But you are taking care of yourself. And I, I definitely think that that is more important. And that is a sacrifice that you have to make. Yeah, so I, I did feel this way about the seven-minute workout thing. It kind of just felt like cheating. Like, it's not. it surely can't be that good. Like, whatever it's doing would probably be superficial. Um, so I'm going to try and do the classes thing. And I've maybe found a couple of classes during the week at the gym, which is located in my building at work, uh, that I might be able to sneak into extended lunch hours. So I'm just going to give that a go, see how we go there. So there's okay. some more follow-up maybe for next next time is how did Mike do at Pilates class? <laughs> Seven minutes so, is better than doing, you know, nothing. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, I, I'm not a gym person. Like, I cannot, I'm not that self-motivated. Like, I have to go to some sort of class. There has to be um, peer pressure to get me through it <laughs> and someone yelling, preferably. So... Yeah, that's so, typically the approach I take. So tomorrow, as we as we record this, which is Thursday, uh, I will be either tomorrow, because I have to book it tomorrow, because you need to give some sort of advance for these things which I don't understand. Uh, I'll either be booking a class of Pilates or beginner's yoga. So Interesting. We're on the road to recovery here, Casey Liss. All right, and you're guilting me into it, you two. What are you going to do now? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I used to, so I would go through, I think we talked about this last episode. I'll go through periods of time where I'll run, uh, typically in the mornings, um, and I'll run for 15, 20 minutes, which really isn't very much to be honest, but when you're not extraordinarily in shape, it feels like a lot. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I used to do that and then I stopped doing it and then I started doing it and then I stopped doing it. And what I really need to do is just program myself into waking up a little earlier, um, and going before work because going after work is kind of tough because I feel like that's the only time I have with Aaron. And then I'm like, Hey honey, it's great to be home. I'll see you in an hour. And by the way, when I come home, I'm going to smell like crap. So, um, we'll see. Hopefully I'll do that. Maybe I'll do like run one day, seven minute workout the next day, run the next day, et cetera, et cetera. But in any case, let's get to the show. So before we do that, why don't you tell me about something that you really enjoy? This episode of Analog is brought to you by lynda.com, an easy and affordable way to help individuals and organizations learn. You can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on software, web development, graphic design, and so much more. I love lynda.com because they allow me to learn in ways that I like to learn. So I am a visual learner. So watching videos of software that I want to learn or different skills that I want to try and take my hand at really works for me. Um, I love that it's one price, $25, and I have access to over 100,000 video tutorials. And that's what you'll get too when you sign up for lynda.com because you should. 
And let me tell you a few reasons why. All of their videos look fantastic. They sound fantastic. They are produced at excellent quality. We're just real professionals through and through. Their courses are broken down into bite-sized pieces so you can learn at your own pace and you can learn wherever you want to learn as well because not only can you access this stuff on the web, you can also access their videos on iPhone, iPad and Android so you can learn on the go at your own at your own pace. You can watch entire courses. You can maybe just watch one moment. Maybe you watched a course six months ago and you want to remember how to do that one thing that the guy spoke about. Well, you can get to that stuff really easily using their searchable transcripts. So you can go in and be like, oh, how did he say how to do the noise limiting on, on this part of the track? Or So you can go in, you can search it. You can find that part in the transcript. You can click it and it will take you to that part in the video too. They have playlists that you can create so you can make your own little own little uh, syllabus, if you like, that you can learn. And they also have certificates of course completion as well. So if you want to publish them to your LinkedIn profile, this is something quite useful if you want to show off your skills to your professional network. Let me give you an example of some of the stuff, some of the topics that lynda.com covers. Maybe you want to learn, get into development. Maybe you want to learn iPhone development or Mac development. They have stuff there. Maybe you want to learn 3D animation. Um, maybe you want to learn photography, design. Uh, they have audio stuff. So maybe you want to make some music on your computer or you want to make a podcast. They have specific courses made for those, those things. But as well as all of the, the these making bits they also have courses on like marketing and business development and stuff like that to to help you take whatever you're learning and turn it into a business because that's something that i know a lot of people like me are interested in these days now we have have a great deal with lynda.com to provide you with access to all of their courses for free for seven days visit lynda.com slash analog to sign up now that's lynda.com slash analog thank you so much to lynda.com for their support of analog and relay fm all righty so we wanted to talk today, uh, and specifically have Faith on today, in order to talk about what it's like to try to parlay an audience from one thing into another. So, you know, Faith is, you have a day job that's doing, you know, copy editing, and you have your own podcast, IRL Talk, which I love, but you've been kind of doing some other creative things on the side, and you very recently released something, and I was curious to hear you talk about what it is you did, and what do you do, or what do you try to accomplish by taking the, taking that thing, putting it out into the universe, and maybe trying to grab some of your audience on Twitter or IRL talk or what have you, and bring it into and show them this new thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's... Well... So I about, I guess like two years ago, I started making these short films um, of pieces of choreography that I would do. Because um, growing up, I was a tra trained as a ballet dancer and I um, still teach classical ballet. Um, so that's something that is a pretty big part of my life and something I've always been interested in. Um, but also I went to school for film. So yeah, so I guess the past two years, I've started making these short films, and we've done three of them now. And honestly, like when I first started making them, I just wanted to make them to prove to myself that I could do it. And I really had no intention for them beyond just completing them. I hadn't even really thought who I wanted to see it. Um, where I wanted to post it. I just I just wanted to make it. So, of course, that I have, you know, a podcast, it ended that, well, of course, we talk about it on there. And um, that people were even remotely interested um, was so shocking to me because, like, I certainly, like, wasn't sitting at home and being like, oh, hey, I have, like, this geeky podcast, I have this like geeky following on Twitter. I'm going to make a ballet video for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know what these guys uh, <laughs> need. They need more ballet. <laughs> We're just going to class the place up a bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like that just sort of happened that those were like two things that 
I do. So I'm not sure I would. What was the fancy word you used, Casey? Parlay. Parlay. Mm -hmm. I think they just collided. Um, mm -hmm. And people were so nice and so receptive and so interested and encouraging. And so I was like, hey, let's do that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, I mean, honestly, that that has kept me going and making more of them. But it certainly was not uh, the intended audience at all. And I mean, I guess the intended audience was probably, you know, other other dancers. But um, even now that I've made three of these um, and one um, had relatively large success and was in a commercial, um, that still hasn't really been the audience. Um, that, that I, you know, thought I was going for. And so it's kind of the audience that I already had. And then also there's been a lot of people who are interested in the technicality of how we shoot them. Um, so a lot of like camera operators and steady cam technicians and people like that are kind of who have gravitated towards this. So my main audience for these films has been been people that I did not intend it for at all. So did that scare you when you realized that was a thing? Did it scare you to to put to advertise this for lack of a better word on IRL Talk or Geek Friday back then or put it on your blog that's presumably read by a more geeky audience? Did you hesitate before you did that or was that kind of well, we'll see what happens? Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I totally did. Um, the Probably the most with the most recent one that we published a couple of weeks ago because um, it's classical ballet. The other two are a little bit, um, you know, more contemporary. The music is modern. And so I thought, OK, well, even if, you know, you don't know a lot about dance or aren't very interested in it, you could still, you know, if you're into music, you like music videos, things like that, you could still find it interesting. But this one is just completely classical. And so I was like, oh, I, I don't know like how people are going to respond to this one. And even though the reception to the other two had been so unexpectedly and overwhelmingly positive and really nice, yeah, I was terrified to post this one. And I think, though, that it has gotten the best response. That's interesting because I, this is that this one is my favorite of really? the three. Yeah, and I didn't know that it was like to me it was ballet like the others. Like I, I didn't really recognize that it was different in any way. But I think mm -hmm. it was my favorite. Like obviously I knew that the music was different um, because the previous ones were more like popular music, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it the most. And I think it also comes from the fact that clearly uh, you and, and your brother are getting better at, at making them as well, mm -hmm. I think. And I think that shows like the camera work in this one is, is even better. And, and there's more, more interesting things being done as well as, mm -hmm. you know, the dance being great and the setting being kind of really well refined. So maybe maybe that was part of it, but it was interesting that it was the one that you were most scared of, but it's received a good, such a good reaction. I mean, that's certainly now that's very encouraging, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, maybe I don't have to be scared anymore. But we all know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. I will be the next time too. <laughs> so to that end, once you realized you had some amount of audience, that's not what you expected. You know, you had said you had expected dancers and, and perhaps, uh, you know, cinematographers or whatever, but you've gotten all these like regular geeks and nerds. Once you realized you had that audience after the first one or perhaps even the first two, you said it made you, you know, hesitate to release this one. But do you think that for the one that you just released, Light or perhaps whatever comes next, that it will change the way that you make the films because of the audience? Or are you making them completely for you? I, yeah, I think I would say that I don't I don't really consider that I don't consider my current audience when I'm when I'm making them um 
Because if I was, I think it would just end up being like an OK Go music video or something. (laughs) 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 Which I'm not really sure what what that would look like with ballet. Hmm. Uh Uh-oh. No, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, everyone. (laughs) Um, so, So, no. Um, but when you guys told me that this was what you wanted to talk about, I immediately thought of, are either of you, um, familiar with, uh, Kevin Kelly's 1000 true fans theory? Yes. No. Okay. I am not. Um, So please, please feel free to lecture me about what it is since I am completely clueless. It's the idea is that any artist only needs 1000 true fans to make a living. Um, I guess you could... You could call them, you know, your super fans. But the idea that, you know, these people are such big fans of you that they will support. He's speaking monetarily, but I I think in this case, we could just take that out of it. Um, They will support everything that you release. Um, And that's that's actually sort of how I feel um, since, you know, doing Geek Friday and IRL talk. And I think maybe why I don't really consider like, oh, well, but this is, you know, this is my audience. So I kind of have to do something that they'll be interested in. I think just I've had such a good experience um, with our falling that like I know that, you know, people know that I'm kind of weird and uh, eccentric (laughs) and they know that I do like 18 different things and they seem to be interested in um, at least some of them or maybe they're just interested that I'm that I'm ju- trying to juggle 18 things. I don't know, but that's like so that's that's how I feel basically. I, I'm not even sure. There probably aren't even a thousand, but I mean if I have like 50 true fans that will watch all of the films that I do, um then I'm going to keep doing them. Casey Sean Blanc wrote has, has written about this. Um for anybody that doesn't know Sean, Sean is a is a writer. And he, he is he, his living is paid for by people that are members of his website, and he was one of the first people that I saw do this, and he's been very successful about it. and And he refers to to the one thousand true fa- fans theory, and talks about true his true fans. So he sorry, and he talks about how they support him. So however many people it is, support him financially. And he does he knows that not everybody will do that, but he's talking about how like you need to have like a bigger base to find your percentage of true fans that will support you wherever you go. Yeah, and the other interesting thing that that you guys just brought up is it seems to me that the less I Try the less I think about and try to orchestrate the things I do to build my brand, the the better off I am. And so when I take calculated moves, and I can't think of a great example off the top of my head, but if I take a calculated move that I think will make more people see who I am and maybe you know to to like me more or to be exposed to what I do, it oftentimes ends up that nobody really notices, but. When I do something that's strictly for me, and this reminds me of what you were saying, Faith, about these films, when I do something strictly for me that really, really, really makes me happy, that's the stuff that I think gets the most notice, which is a weird thing. And I know that we are not the first people to come up with this theory, but as someone who thinks of himself as innately very selfish and tries very hard to fight that embracing that selfishness and doing something just for me, that oftentimes is very uncomfortable, despite the fact that I feel like I'm innately selfish. And, and so it's weird when we do something like, like when Steven was on earlier and we talked about um, the, the medical stuff and talking about medical stuff publicly, that I think was extremely cathartic for the three of us. And yet we got such a wonderful reaction from it. And it's, it's so weird to try to embrace that that no, that knowledge that you know what if you do what makes you happy and what you're proud of everyone else is probably going to notice too. But I feel like you can't do it constantly. I I think it's no. the element of of doing these things sparingly, but when you do them they come from a real genuine place is what 
interests people. But I feel like if you did it all of the time, maybe people wouldn't so much. Like, for example, this this show, people seem to enjoy this show, but it's not the only thing that, that me and you do. Um, I feel right. like if this was all we did, people would be like, these guys are just always talking about their feelings all the time. <laughs> Why can't someone just stop them from doing that? Um, but I think it's maybe people know us from other places so that because this is like a balance but this is like an inherently self-centered show and, and yeah i feel like if people didn't already have some sort of feeling about us they wouldn't listen i mean i would be very surprised if we pick up anyone that hasn't doesn't already know who we are through some means it, it, it seems like a strange show to me to just like start listening to as the new show that you listen to and in fact, if you're one of those people that doesn't really know who Mike or I or Faith is, and yet somehow ended up listening to this show, I'd love for you to get in touch. Um, if you go to the website, there's a contact link or some something or, or like that. So please let us know. I'd be curious to hear if any of you are out there, and I expect to hear nothing but crickets. <laughs> there were people that didn't know who I was. That's, yeah, that still strikes me as absolutely insane. Well, because I'm, I'm with the world-famous Casey Liss. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. Faith, you, you seemed incredulous about what Mike Sorry. just said. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not a bad thing. I think it's insane that people don't know. People who would listen to this show don't know who Mike is. Like that, that to me is completely stupefying. Well, look, ATP is, is much bigger. Like, eh. it's, you know, it's, it's bigger, the, but whatever. It's the second most popular podcast in the world after the prompt unfortunately which no longer exists <laughs> uh right i'm just gonna let that one go funny i thought irl talk was the most popular podcast in the world <laughs> i don't know it, it's just it's odd and it's not a bad thing but it's interesting how doing something for you can be well received and you know the the example that i had similar to faith taking um, her her fans and trying to introduce them to dance films. I, you know, I've been not exactly the same, but I've been trying to become a better writer. And so I've, I've been writing on my website periodically. And today it just so happens I've had like two or three posts, but generally speaking, I post, you know, once or twice a week and I'm not a terribly good writer and it doesn't come natural to me, but I do enjoy doing it. And I especially enjoy doing it when it's something I really, 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 really care about. So I, I try not to become a tech commentator, and I try more to comment on things that I feel passionately about. For example, you know, the infertility that we spoke about a couple episodes ago. For example, um, the way teachers are treated in America, because that's near and dear to my heart, and and things like that. And I deeply enjoy it, and it's a lot of fun. But it's not if, – if you consider podcasting to be my comfort zone, this is not in my comfort zone. And it's been an odd thing for me trying to figure out my way in the world of writing a website or writing for a website. Would your website exist if you didn't already have people you knew would go there? Maybe, but probably not. Um I, th I think it's fair to say there's some amount of narcissism I involved in it because, you know, I, it's, it's neat to know that people are listening to you, be it on a podcast, be it in your writing, be it on Twitter with your 140 character quips, no matter what, it's neat to hear people, or it's neat to know that people are listening. And I certainly, I certainly think that having some amount of an audience has encouraged me to do it. And for example, when I used to post more regularly to my Tumblr account, I did that, you know, just for grins and giggles. I didn't really think that much of it. But when I gained some amount of an audience, it was more important to me to own my identity, I guess. And you could say brand even. And so that's when I decided to write my own blogging engine. That's when I decided to host my own blog and and take all of that a lot more seriously. Um, but I don't know. To directly answer your question, I'm not sure it would exist without me knowing that I wasn't just shouting into the ether. Faith, in, in the same sort of vein, why did you create the first ballet video 
if you didn't necessarily think that the people that you had it to share with were interested? Because I couldn't stand watching how dance was filmed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I had to change it. (laughs) So I had to change it. Well, no, I I was just turning into, you know, one of those people that like complains all the time because I would complain all the time about it. And I would always, you know, emphasize that is wrong. This is how it's supposed to be done. And then I just realized, holy crap, woman, you are becoming insufferable. Just shut up and do it. And then you have something to show instead. Um, so, so that's that's why. Do you complain any less or more now? <laughs> more. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, that it would make you not you specifically, but I feel like you would. You know, after actually doing it, I'd be like, oh, and by the way, this is how you do it. <laughs> Don't just take my word for it. Let me show you. So, so I have become more insufferable. Yes, if that's what you were getting at. <laughs> that's not what I but, said, but sure. <laughs> but um, Casey, I wanted to ask you. Like, first of all, I don't believe that you wouldn't be doing any of this stuff if you didn't have if you didn't have an audience because you were already on Twitter, right? Yeah. But nobody, nobody knew who I was. But like, what does that, what does that matter? And like, because I sometimes find, and I wonder if you've ever experienced this, that knowing that you actually have an audience is sometimes discouraging to things like that. Because I know before anybody was listening, I used Twitter a lot more. I wrote a lot more um, because it was just like you're shouting into the void and you were just doing it like for yourself. But then when there are people listening it makes you a lot more self-conscious and like want to be a little bit more careful and structured. Absolutely. So I, yeah. So, I mean, I think the flip side of what you were saying is it it can be discouraging. Oh yeah. You're, I completely agree with you and you're absolutely right. And I've talked about this like in brief once or twice in the past, but I oftentimes forget that I have, you know, a somewhat decent amount of Twitter followers. And so a lot of times I'll fire off a tweet and then be like, uh, nobody cares. Or, you know, I'll write a tweet and think it's hysterical and then read it again and realize nobody gives a crap dude or, or what have you. And, and, I find myself filtering, like you were alluding to, Faith, and like you had said, I find myself filtering what I do put out into the universe because I do feel an obligation to perform at a certain level and and be smart and be witty and be interesting and not just repeating what everyone around me is saying. And so I think that's part of the reason why I don't write on my website all that terribly often is because... I want to make sure that if I'm putting something onto my website, that it's something at least slightly interesting and unique. And a great example of that is I probably could have written 30,000 words about the iPhone 6, but I ended up writing something like six bullet points because I didn't want it to appear like I had some massively interesting thing to say. I mostly agreed with everything I'd read so far online. I just wanted to throw in my two cents and do so quickly and not waste people's time. And you're absolutely right. A lot of consideration goes into what I'm putting into the universe. And sometimes it is discouraging because I might want to talk about something that I don't think anyone else cares about. And so I'll I'll stuff that aside and never, ever share it. Like I have a folder of probably five or 10 abandoned blog posts that are in various stages of, of completion that... I just decide, you know, dude, nobody cares. Just shut up. You shouldn't do that. Oh, I have so much to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before, before that, though, do you, do you want to talk about something else that's really cool? Yeah. I mean, I also want to talk about 10,000 emoji balloons, but we'll, we'll do that after the sponsor, <laughs> too. Um, so we also want to thank our, our friends over at Hover this week for sponsoring Analog. Quite simply, Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It's been my place of choice for years for all the serious domains that I buy and all the stupid domains that I buy too. It's just if I want to buy a domain name, I just go to Hover. Like I, There is no question, that's just where I buy my domain names. And w- one of the things that I like about Hover, and, and they kind of promote this, and, and it makes so much sense to me, 
is that they try and get out of the way, right? And they talk about simplified domain management. That's their thing, right? They just try and make it simple for you. They don't throw up a bunch of stuff in your face that you're not interested in. And one of the reasons that they do this, and one of the reasons that's important, I think, is when you have an idea for a project, you need to name it. Naming projects is one of the hardest things. Like if you have a podcast or a company or a blog that you want to start, you have to give it a name. And naming is hard now because not only do you need to think of a good name, you have to find a name that has a domain available to it. So when you actually get those names, you need to be able to just go and quickly and easily check if it's available and buy it because you just want no hassle. You've spent weeks trying to come up with a name. You finally got one. You don't want to have to jump through 15,000 hoops just to find out if you can get the .com or not. I will provide simple, fast, and a hassle-free way of buying domain names, and that's why I love them. It's the, the way that they do the search is really cool. So you can enter a phrase, a key, some keywords, or the domain exactly that you're looking for. And what Hover will do is just show you all of the best matches. So if they haven't got the .com, they'll show you the .co if they've got it. Or you can type in a few different words and they'll mash them together with really smart robots that do all these things for them. And they have all of the TLDs that you'd expect, like .com, .co, .me. They have some of the crazy, fun new ones, like .plumbing, .sexy, and .coffee, if that's the kind of thing that tickles your fancy. They have 200-plus different options for TODs. They have everything. And they've just lowered the price on basically everything, which is incredible. So .com domains are now $12.99 on Hover. So they make, they've made everything cheaper. And this still includes who is privacy for free too, because Hover believe that you shouldn't have to pay to keep your private information private unlike some other registrars. Hover have fantastic customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support policy. They have their uh, valet transfer service where they can take all of your domains from someone else. You just give them the keys and they will just transfer it all over for you for free. Hover has so much great stuff. You should go and try them out. So go to hover.com right now and use the code HALF5 at checkout. (laughs) And you'll get 10% off your purchase at hover.com and show your support for analog. So that's half five, all one word, H-A-L-F-F-I-V-E. And you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Hover for sponsoring this episode and for supporting Relay FM. All right, so tell me about balloons, Mike. So you mentioned that you have a somewhat following on Twitter, you know, humble, humble Casey. And earlier this week, you found your way to 10,000 followers on Twitter.com. And you, you, were, you were at about 9,999, and it was bugging me. <laughs> uh, so I was, you know, I was kind of just like, oh, just go, just get all the way there. Just just do it, and then we can, we can put this to bed, because you're going to be insufferable for about 20 minutes. So. <laughs> Let's just let's so just get true. this done. Let's just get this done. So I decided that I would do something special, and I tweeted that if you reach ten thousand followers, I would send you ten thousand emoji balloons. Uh, so I I tweeted that, then instantly started to prepare because I knew it wouldn't <laughs> be easy. So then a bunch of people, a couple, a few people followed you because that was a bunch because you know. I think if you see something like that happen, you need to kind of get on board because this is important. Uh, and then I sent you 10,000 emoji balloons and crashed messages. I crashed my <laughs> messages app. And every time I sent you a message, messages was going really slow until I deleted the 10,000 emoji balloon tweet. And you can attest to this, right? There were 10,000. Oh, yes. And- yeah, and I think I tweeted a picture of messages on my Mac and I scrolled all the way up to the top of that message. And I took a screenshot as the scroll bar was visible, and the scroll bar was, you know, the, the little, uh, what is it, not a nubbin, a knuckle or crap, I can't think of the word, but anyway, the little thing you grab onto was little itty bitty, and it was like all the way up at the top of the window, because the rest of the window was 10,000 luft balloons, mm-hmm. so I appreciate all those balloons and all the work you put in on that. Would you like to know my life hack? For, for I would love to making, know your life making this happen. So I, I took full advantage of the iPhone 6 Plus keyboard, right? So I put 10 red, 10 red emoji balloons in. 
Then I selected it all, copied it, pasted it 10 times by pressing the little paste button that I have now. So I had 100. Then I copied that, did that 10 times, turned it into 1,000, copied, selected all that, copied it, did that 10 times. It's 10,000 emoji balloons. The power of math. I hope you're proud of me. I am extremely proud of you. And I'm also proud of you for not taking, uh, taking the bait when I said the power of math and not the power of maths. Well, you know, some things I don't need to tell you you're wrong about. <laughs> Fair enough. So as well as emoji balloons, and I did say that I, I had some opinions. So remind me what you were saying, Casey. You were talking about people being smarter no, that's what that, that's my sort of feeling about it. No, but that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I was saying that, you know, I feel like I don't want to just put up a 30,000 word iPhone 6 review because other people have covered that and they've covered it probably better than I have. And so at best, I want to use, I want to waste as little of everyone's atten attention as I possibly can. And so when I wrote my review, I just had a few bullet points and then called it good. Uh, I think I was kind of taking that as in like, I do what people expect from me or, or what I'm known for doing. Like I don't I don't decide to start writing 30,000 word blog posts now because that's not what I do, right? That, that's yeah. kind of how mm -hmm. I took it. So I started thinking like about the, about how I feel about this sort of stuff. And, and like in in everything that I do, probably with the exception of this show because it's about feelings, unless you have more feelings than me, which maybe you do. Um <laughs> I always feel like I'm not the smart one. So, Oh, God, yes. It, Me too. Yeah, in all of the shows that I do, of which there are like six, maybe, I, Humble brag. I'm working with people that are experts or really good or really smart at what they do. So I always have this feeling like I'm not smart. Like I do all of these things. I work on these things. I work on these projects or these shows. And I'm always the dumb one. And, and sometimes that is for, you know, I do it for effect a little bit, right? Because it helps with the show. Like I play as the person, like, what does that mean? Explain that. Because I feel like it can sometimes yep, yep. help everyone to understand more. Um, and it, it provides a level playing field and it allows people to expand on themselves. But sometimes I do feel like the dumb one. But then the, the sort of the effect of that sometimes is I am treated like the dumb one, uh, which is something that I've been maybe over the last six months trying to get used to and kind of get to grips with. And I struggle with it a bit uh, at times when like people, you know, I, I spoke about like the restore your iPhone type thing and, and, and how that whole mess uh, because I it, and I struggle with them, and then I feel like there's an added pressure on me that when I'm trying to explain something, I have to get it completely correct to show that I do actually know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, oh God, yes, mm -hmm. and and it's just this interesting feeling that that I have. I don't really have much more to say about it than that, but it's just this. It's just the idea of like being true to what you should be or what you're seen to be, it can be something that I struggle with sometimes. Now, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So before I just go on for two hours, Faith, do you have any thoughts on this? And I am not trying to imply that you also feel like the dumb one, but perhaps you have thoughts from the smarter point of view. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time listening to this without like screaming at both of you, which is normally <laughs> what I do when I listen to this show in my car, by the way. Um, Fair enough. Who, Mike, who the hell is treating you like that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that I there's... I need names. I'm sure there's an element of me <laughs> putting it on myself. Like, I I kind of take that, like, in the way that people maybe say things to me, maybe I'm insecure about it, so I kind of make it feel a bit more like that. But there is an element that I do always feel like the not smart person in the room in those discussions because I am always working with people that are more learned or experts in they in the thing that we have the show about so you know like for example if i make a mistake if i make some sort of mistake on the show uh i maybe take that on myself to feel like oh that's because you don't know what you're doing 
Um, and and it's it's just this thing that I have to kind of maybe it is more like I just put it on myself, but I just feel like the criticism that I receive is because I'm silly or I'm stupid, not because of anything else. I'm thinking of the little monkey emoji covering his ears because that's really, (laughs) that is the attitude that you need to have. Right. So, So Faith, have you gotten a lot of, difficult criticism from Geek Friday IRL talk, from faitharena.com, from the films, any of the above? Uh, I think it's different for me because I think that people don't want to be accused of mansplaining <laughs> things to me. <laughs> right. Um, so I think people are like really, really careful, um, which I appreciate because I would tear them apart. So... <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, um, yeah, so th- that doesn't, no, that, that doesn't happen very often. And do you feel like you are pretty confident in when you're talking on IRL talk, when you're, when you're making these films? I mean, you, you had said earlier that you were scared of what the audience would think, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are not confident about the work output that you have. You know, you could be extremely proud of the film for you, but you might think everyone hates it. Do you find that happens often or no? Yeah, that's that's more, I think, worrying about, like, reception the reception of it. It's not so much mm-hmm. about, like, my level of, like, competence. But even, like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you'll know this, Casey. Like, even on, talking on IRL talk, like, if we're talking about something super geeky, maybe even perhaps nerdy, a lot of times I'll just say... I have nothing to say about this or I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then normally we move on to something else because Jason doesn't like talking to himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I, I think that maybe like earlier on um, in like geek Friday, I would like try to be more, um, I don't know, like try to have something to say about like everything. And that's just like really unrealistic and not going to happen. Um, so I think as long as you realize that and are just like honest about it, nobody's going to like call you out for being, you know, a poser, or, like talking about something that you don't really know about. Um, did you and try everybody... and like read up on things to, to have, I did opinion. it first. Yeah. I did it first and I was screw this. I have a life. <laughs> <laughs> like no it's like okay well here's a list of things i am not interested in and i'm not going to learn about so jason you talk about these (laughs) that's Um, awesome yeah i mean i don't know not everybody has to like have something to say about everything everybody you know has their own like areas of expertise um and going back to what you were saying about um your iphone review casey like people want to read what you have to say about it though like so i don't think you should have thought like oh i'm not going to write the blog post that i want to write because people have read so many that's nothing to do with it they want to know what you think because they like you yeah and that's something i'm still coming to terms with which god is that a terrible first world problem and i and i I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like whiny about it, but it's something that's still hard for me to adjust to because I still carry a lot of baggage about being that other guy between Marco and John and myself because Marco and John were well known, you know, before ATP. And I was that random dude that, you know, somebody granted it was a good friend of mine, but somebody made a song. Who the hell is Casey? You know, that that was funny because it was kind of true. And even though it's almost a year and a half on now. I still carry a lot of baggage about it, and I shouldn't. And conceptually, I know I shouldn't, but it's hard for me to really believe that I don't need to. And you know, I was talking to Dave Whiskus about this earlier this year um, when we were at a conference together, and he said something which I thought was really interesting. He said, if someone thinks you're world class, don't try to convince them that they're wrong. And that's something I struggle with all the time because I always want to, to, to be humble and even when I'm not being humble, appear humble. And oftentimes, I, I find myself to be self-deprecating, which I think is some, somewhat a defense mechanism, somewhat trying, it's trying to put everyone, including myself, at ease. But 
being more assertive and being more confident and being not more pushy. I'm trying to think of the word, but, but I guess just more confident and, and willing to do a 30,000 word iPhone six review because gosh, darn it. That's what I want to do. I, I need to get better about that. And, and it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing for me to do. And I'm working on it every day. And Mike, I completely sympathize with what you were saying. You know, I, I oftentimes feel like I can barely keep, well, I shouldn't say often. I occasionally feel like I can barely keep up with Marco and John. And there are times, like you were saying, Faith, that there'll be an episode where I don't really talk that much. And at first I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get like booted off the show, even though there was no way that Marco or John would ever do that. But you know, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I didn't really say anything. I'm not really helping. I'm not contributing. Nobody's going to like me. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. I, I got to talk more next time. I got to research more. And it's, it's just this like awful, vicious cycle. And so this episode that's coming out, well, at the, by, the time, by the time Analog is out, it will be the most recent episode of ATP. I didn't really talk that much. I talked about a few things in the beginning and then was mostly quiet through the rest. And at first I was so nervous about that. But now to your point, Faith, I've just kind of embraced it. You know, there's times that I have something to contribute and sometimes I don't, and that's okay. No, I think that's good. I also think that you might want to think about going to yoga with Mike because (laughs) you you need to chill out. (laughs) I know. That's so true. We'd be we'd be great yoga buddies. It'd be so awesome. <laughs> we could like help like help each other into position. I can't think. Oh God. Okay. No, and we're done. No. <laughs> uh, does that mean this is it? I think that's it. Unless I mean, unless you want to talk about anything else, I did have one like one other thing that I wanted to talk to Faith about. Oh, excellent. If if that's okay, please. Um. Side projects. So, like the ballet stuff is a, is a side project thing uh, mm-hmm. for you, Faith, and you know for me and Casey, this is side projects for us. Um, and I kind of wondered, how do you? Because we we've spoken about work life balance stuff in the past on the show, but how do you balance your job and your side projects? Um, I purposefully took a job that is pretty I'm going to say mindless because I can't think of a better <laughs> word but I don't mean that in a in a bad way it just I I don't feel exhausted when I when I leave at the end of the day so I mean I I knew I wanted to take a 9 to 5 job that I could leave there and mentally check out and not think about it again until I go back the next day. Um, I totally forgot what you asked me originally. How do you balance between your the things that you like to do? Because you work on many different things, right? As well as just the stuff that we know. You have many secret projects that you work on all the time <laughs> in your secret lair. And yeah. <laughs> and I wonder how you you balance those things. Like, is it a balance that you purposefully make? Is it a balance that you naturally have? Do you have to fight against different pressures? It, yeah, no, it's a balance that I purposefully made and constantly fight for. Um, I sympathized a lot um, on the with you, Mike, on the episode that you were talking about uh, friends and uh, or lack thereof. Um, because as someone who, you know, okay, I make these films, I have a podcast, I'm writing a book, I still teach dance, um, and that's on top of my job. And so then it's like, okay, those are the things that I am absolutely going to do because they're what I want to do and they make me happy. And so then you have to, everything else just kind of has to trickle down and fall into place, which sounds bad that like friends and having like a social life is in that pool of things that have to fill in the gaps. But, you know, that's just like a conscious decision that that I made. Um, because, you know, that's that's important to me. Like I, I want to get to the point where the things that I do on the side are what I do for a living. So um, that means that I have to make sacrifices and um, I'm not even sure that 
I would use the word balance. That's just like how it is <laughs> right now. See, that's the thing. I balance is an. I think balance is a bad word to use because it implies that there is a balance and that the balance is balanced. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it necessarily means that. Like, I think it's how you balance the two things. It doesn't mean that one thing can't be heavier than another. Like it's not an equal balance. It's just the two things balanced together, but one thing outweighs the other one. Like that's something right. that I think about. Like just because I say work-life balance, I'm not saying because it's definitely not saying that my job and my podcasting are balanced. I actually had a conversation. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, with my current line manager, uh, line manager. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, early, earlier this week, and she she she's she's relatively new, and she's a contractor, and and we've been working together for a while, and we're, we're getting on really well. Um, I think it mainly be, is because she is not like completely destroyed by the corporate life that we live. Um, and <laughs> and I I basically you know we were talking about my career development. Uh, and I effectively told her, and I'd never told anybody this in this way before. I do not want to develop my career here. Like, let's just stop having these these discussions because I'm not going to do it, and this is why. Like, people know about what I do, but I've never kind of said like, oh, okay, let's. Like, I always go, okay, let me think about what what department do I want to work in next. What promotion do I want next? When do I want that? I was kind of just like, we're kidding ourselves if we're doing, if we're going to have this discussion because I'm not going to do it. So we may as well just stop having these discussions. That's, I, I had, okay, this is, I had the same conversation with my boss a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. It's a fun conversation to have. So much fun. Now, how is that received? And I'm asking both of you, but I'll, I'll start ladies first with Faith. How was that received when you said to your, to your boss in so many words, you know, I like my job, but I'm not going to get better at it. So let's just accept that this is what it is. Um, she was actually, she was really happy, um, that I, that I was honest with her because like people at my work, they know, they don't really, they know that I do a lot outside of work, but they don't really know what I do. And so this conversation was basically like, what is your deal? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, uh, so I don't want to be here forever. (laughs) And she was like, okay, cool. Could you give me as much notice as possible when you decide to leave? And I was like, can do. And then I went back to my desk. (laughs) (laughs) And that was that. That was that. All right. Now, Mike, how did it go with you? Very well. Uh, And I think it may have been partly because of 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 uh, my current manager's position in that she is not, I don't think she is herself intending to be with the company for a very long time. I, I don't know. She may want to, but but she she has taken a job which is a fixed term contract, I believe. So I don't think it matters to her if I'm there in a year because like she might not even be there herself. So it's like whatever, you can do what you want. But she was just really excited for me. She was just asking all about it and and kind of. You know, and I was I was trying to say to her, and I do believe this. Like I do, I actually do work hard. Like I don't, I don't work as hard as I could, but I work hard, um, and I feel like that shows. Um, but it's like the idea is that this is not the most important thing in my life, and and I have other things that I care about so much more. And I will put the amount of work in that I need to put in, but I won't put in anymore. And and I say, hence why you see me at five to five, I'm putting my laptop in the drawer because I'm I'm getting out of the door at five. I have no interest in staying past that time. I don't have something to prove to people. Uh, I'm out of here. And she's like, yeah, okay. Like, good, great. I appreciate your honesty. I'm excited for you. Sounds fun. Did you feel relieved? I had... Over time, I did. At first, it was kind of just like, whatever. But over time, it's been like, no, that feels good to say that to someone, finally. And also to stop us us having to have this awkward conversation, which I'm just sick of having. Like, where do you, what is, what is your, uh, what, do we, what do we call them? Uh, personal development plans. 
that we have to write up. And I'm just mm-hmm. I'm sick of doing it. I'm just like, because if I wrote my actual personal development plan, it's got absolutely nothing to do with my company. Like nothing, because that's not what I consider my personal development to be. So it's kind of just like, it's, this is kind of wasting my time and wasting your time in me filling out a document like this because nobody's going to pay any attention to it. Including you. Yeah, especially me. Right. That's intense. Yeah. I respect that for both of you, though. It's not It's not work-life balance. It's more like work-life Tetris, Ooh. really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, it kind of is. Yep. And the thing is that the blocks keep falling faster and faster, and you don't know where you're going to fit them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm kind of blown away by that. Work-life Tetris. That's so fantastic. That might be a good place to end. Yeah, probably. Faith, if people want to find the, the Tetris blocks that, that you call the things that you do, uh, where, do they, where do they find them? Well, um... My podcast that I do with Jason Cipher is IRL Talk. So that's at IRLTalk.com and also in iTunes. And then my personal blog is FaithArena.com. And I'm also FaithArena on Twitter. If you want to find me and Casey, well, the first place that you should go, where you'll find links to everything, not in the world, but just that we've spoken about, is at Relay.fm <laughs> slash analog slash eight. That's for this show. Uh, I am iMike on Twitter. I M Y K E. Casey is uh, C A S E Y L I S S. It's Casey Lewis on Twitter. And he <laughs> also has the fantastic Accidental Tech podcast, which is at atp.fm. And you have caseylist.com, right? It's .com. That is correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's caseylist.com for his uh, excellent writing. If you would like to support our sponsors because they help support us, you should. So thank you very much to Linda and Hover for sponsoring this week's episode of Analog. I was going to say ATP then. I don't know who I think I am right now. (laughs) Yeah, are you me, John, or Marco? Me and Casey will be back next week. Faith, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next time. Bye-bye.